We give God thanks for the reading of God's holy word. All those who will call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. Let us pray. Spirits of the living God, fall on me now as I preach your word. And help us to respond in obedience to the truth of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is my joy this morning to wish you all happy, happy Pentecost Sunday. For some, it is the birthday of the church, the inauguration or the inauguration of the church of Jesus Christ. And we are the living church of God. And because we are the living church of God, Pentecost is our story. Pentecost is our history. We've got to get into it to understand it because that's our history. Pentecost is one of the three great Christian festivals alongside Christmas and Easter. And it is the day when we celebrate. We celebrate the coming of the promised Holy Spirit to the followers of Jesus Christ. So let's take some time to just turn around to the person next to you and just wish them happy Pentecost Sunday. Let's do that. Don't be shy. Just wish someone a happy Pentecost Sunday. Happy Pentecost. <laughs> well, this morning Ali has been talking a lot about cake and about celebrations. Talking about celebration reminds me of a story I heard of a preacher, a very good preacher who preached a great sermon, a cracking sermon on Pentecost Sunday, encouraging his congregation to celebrate because Pentecost is the birthday of the church. On their way home after the service, driving, riding at the back of his mom's car, little Jack, seven years old, said to his mom, Mom, pastor said we should celebrate today, so can we please go to McDonald's? Mom said, no, we are not going to McDonald's, but quickly she changed her mind. And she said to little Jack, we will only go to McDonald's if you can spell McDonald's. <laughs> Little Jack smiled and looked at his mom and said to her, in that case, let's go to KFC. <laughs> he spelled it already. Let's go, <laughs> let's go to KF. That's it. Nothing was going to stop Little Jack from celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Nothing was going to stop him from celebrating the birthday of the church. You see, in the Jewish culture, 50 days after Passover, and also 50 days after the first fruits are harvested, the people would come together. Nothing will stop them. Whatever they are, they will come together to celebrate the festival of Pentecost, to give thanks to God for his goodness and for his blessings in their lives. And if we are to give thanks for his goodness and blessings in our lives this morning, there will be hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them that we all can collect here together. But nothing will stop these people to give thanks to God when that time comes. 
as an act of remembrance, Jews from around the known world that Elizabeth listed for us in that reading and pronounced for us so eloquently, they will all converge to Jerusalem and attend a temple worship to give thanks to God. The scene on the day of Pentecost, if you like, would have been a crowded scene in Jerusalem, a crowded Jerusalem. Just as we had the coronation recently, London was packed. So Jerusalem would have been packed on that day. The event Dr. Luke described for us here in that reading, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit, took place exactly 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We call it Pentecost, which means on the 50th day, the day God the Holy Spirit came to indwell his people and came to be their helper. In the same book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4, just before we got to that reading, Elizabeth read for us, Jesus instructed his followers saying, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power, until you are loaded with power and strength to do the work of God. Because you see, in his ministry with them, during the time Jesus spent with his disciples in that ministry with them, he realized that something was missing. Something was missing in their lives and in their ministry. Something was lacking. And so at his ascension, the day before he attended, the day he attended, just before he departed back to his heavenly father, Jesus said to them, stay in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Just wait here. In those three years that he spent with them, Jesus saw how Peter wanted to fight for him, to stand up for him, to defend him by his own might, by his own strength, only to fall flat by denying him. Why? Because he lacked the power. The disciples who vowed to be with him right up until the end, they all ended up deserting him. Why? Because they lacked the power. And so Jesus said to them, I know something is missing. But until you receive that missing piece, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait right here. Someone says, good things only come to those who wait. But we live today in a microwave society. A society where we struggle to wait. It is an instant culture. We transfer money from one bank account to the other bank account it is there instantly. And if it is not there, we get worried. Is it the network? I need to call the bank. I need to go to the bank. The money is not there because we are accustomed to things happening there and then. Our culture wants things to be done instantly. However, the Pentecost story shows us that there is a beautiful fragrance that comes from the obedient disciple who will master the act of waiting on God, the act of trusting God, uh, to wait even when things don't seem to be moving and we want them to shake and move, but we are still waiting on the God who says, wait, because something good is about to happen. The Pentecost story assures us that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This bunch of disciples needed renewal of strength, no doubt. 
for the work and mission that God had for them. And so that was why Jesus told them to just wait. And on the 10th day, on the 10th day, imagine that kind of waiting, waiting in a room, praying, spending time, singing songs, just waiting in trust and dependence on God. Ten days of waiting. It was also ten days after the ascension, exactly 50 days after the resurrection. During their watching and waiting, looking above, worshiping together in one accord, suddenly, the Bible says, suddenly they had a sound. Things were about to change. Things were about to shake. Things were about to move. It was a sound, the Bible says, of a rushing wind, an imagery of wind blowing things around. Last Tuesday, as I was writing this sermon in my office just at the back here, I switched the standing fan on in my office, and it blew off all the papers that were on the table. I was just there trying to clamp down on all these papers as the fan was just outrageous, just blowing out all the papers that were there. Perhaps we need the wind of God to blow out and to blow things out of the way, to disturb us a little bit, to blow things out of the way in our church, blow things out of the way in our hearts and in our minds so that the wind of the Holy Spirit can get to us. The things that are holding it back can get to us. The fan wanted the wind to blow on me, but the papers, the computer, and all the things that were there in the way, what the fan was trying to do, get them out of the way so that the wind of the Holy Spirit, so that the wind of God can get to us. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us this morning. Clear the way that we will receive the power that God sends for his people. Perhaps we need the wind to blow off those things that are in the way. Luke described that first element of the Holy Spirit as a wind, of a rushing, of a, of a sound of a rushing wind. But the process of their equipping and the process of their refining was not over yet. There was something else that was to come. And what was that? We don't know that bit. And what was that? The fire. The fire was the second thing. Luke told us in that account that what looks like tongues of fire came down and rested on all of them, fulfilling Prophet Joel's prophecy that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The spirit came on them and they were ignited. They were ready for work. They had what I called the vops moment, vops moments. When I turn on the gas cooker at home trying to cook something, believe it or not, I do cook. But I'm not sure about you tasting it. But most times it is good. But before we get to that process of eating that good food cooked, I switch on the, the, the gas cooker and I turn it on. And what I hear, I hear the sound of the gas coming through. Shh. And then I press the ignition button, and what happened? The, the flame comes. The fire comes. It is here. And when you combine the wind and you combine the flame, what do you get? A blaze. 
The Holy Spirit set the disciples' hearts on fire. Their spirits were set ablaze on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were equipped and they were changed, ready for the work of God. It was Reverend Father Romero Catalamasi, the Pope's personal preacher, who said, I quote, whatever the Holy Spirit touches, the Holy Spirit changes. Whatever the Holy Spirit touches, the Holy Spirit changes. And this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch each and every one of us, renew our hearts and change our lives and change our hearts so that we can be made whole, be ready and prepared for the work that God has called us into. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak boldly of the wonders of God to explain the scriptures, to preach the gospel as Peter did on that day. The church, the Holy Spirit, enable them to gather their first fruits of new souls. Over 3,000 people came to join the new church on that day. More people than the great hall right now here can sit at the same time. Which will mean if we are to make room for the 3,000 this morning, all of us will be in the crash. That was the wonder of Pentecost. God bringing new souls into the church. On the day of Pentecost, the outward looking, the loving and caring God was revealed, pursuing humanity in love. God so loved the world that on the day of Pentecost, he showed his disciples those green lights on the doors of the, Meth of the Methodist Central Hall, Westminster. All those green lights, he showed them, the exit door, that it was time for them to go out and to do some neighborhood evangelism. It was time for them to go create new places for new people to come into the house of God. It was time for them to witness of Christ's resurrection, to go out and to love people and to bring people people into the kingdom of God. Tina Turner, the American singer, uh, queen of, of rock they call her, who passed away on Tuesday in one of her popular songs, What's Love Got to Do With It? I'm sure you've heard that one. What's love got to do with it? I know you're all waiting for me to sing it. If I hadn't sung it, some of you would be disappointed. When you get outside there, I'd say, oh, Lansford. But she said in that song, what love has got to do with it? Well, the answer is simple. Love has got everything to do with Pentecost. Because God loves us so much that he poured out his spirit to be our helper, to come and support us because he loves us. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't just the outward looking God sending us out of the exit doors to go. We also see the all-inclusive God was revealed on the day of Pentecost. The all-inclusive God that through the gift of speaking in tongues in different languages, the all-inclusive God of Pentecost made the language of love, the language of salvation, understandable to the people who were gathered. They were amazed. They were perplexed about the new thing God was doing. However, some of them made fun of them, saying, these people, they've had too much wine. You know what they're like? They're drunk again. They are intoxicated again. Brothers and sisters, 
You see, often when God turns our lives around, when God changes your story, when things begin to happen in your life, when your life begins to move in the direction that God wants it to go, there will always be some people who will twist it. They will twist it. And so people here on the day of Pentecost, they started twisting things. They are drunk. They are intoxicated. These people are always drunk. But then the Bible says, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, said to them, these people are as good as Methodists. They don't touch alcohol until after 9 o'clock. <laughs> so Methodists don't touch it at all. Praise the Lord for that. They don't touch alcohol. It's only 9 o'clock, he said to them, in the morning. What you are seeing here, he said to them, is what prophet Joel spoke about. These men and women are filled with the Holy Spirit, equipped for the work of God. Friends, you see, it was 10 days before Pentecost that Jesus said to them, wait. But on the day of Pentecost, today, the Holy Spirit is saying to all of us gathered here, you are fully equipped if you have the Holy Spirit. So go and give the good news to the poor. Go and tell prisoners that they are prisoners no more. Go and tell everyone the good news of the kingdom. And the comfort and assurance we have is that the Holy Spirit is coming with us. We are not alone. We are not going alone. All the things he's called us to do, he says, the Holy Spirit will be our helper. You see, in the Old Testament, God's Spirit only rested on specific people for specific purposes. God's Spirit came on people to enable them to do something specifically. And so, in the book of Judges, chapter 6 up to chapter 8, if you go home, you can read that. The Spirit of God came upon a man called Gideon. He was a weak and fearful man. But he became a brave warrior, a brave warrior who saved God's people. Like Gideon, God's Spirit equips and uses people who feel that they are weak, that they are inadequate, that they are ill-equipped. That might be you this morning. Maybe God has called you into a challenge and you're saying, God, but not me. I can't do this. I remember when the opportunity came for me to come to the UK and to, and to be a minister here. The first thing I wrestle with God with, I say, God, how is this going to happen? It means that I will never be able to preach again in my local language, Creole. And so I started asking God, God, my English is not good. How can I preach? How can I speak to these people here? But that's what God does for each and every one of us. When we feel weak, when we feel inadequate, and whatever you're dealing with today, He can give you the strength to do it. You may not do it perfectly, but for God, it is good enough. It is good enough. And God receives it as your offer of sacrifice to Him. Let people twist it. Let people say things, what they want to say about it in the corner. God receives it. It is good enough for God. Give it with all your heart. God receives it for you as a sacrifice to him. 
Gideon was weak. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, he was a changed man. Samson, in the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 16, we read about him. He was taken prisoner. God sent his Spirit upon him, and he granted him extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes that tied around him. In the same way today, the Holy Spirit brings strength for you and me to break free from the habit of sin. We don't talk too much about sin because we are all sinners. Paul says, I am one. I am the chief of them all. But you see, when you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit might just help you to break free from that habit that is ruining your life. That is dragging you all the time to that place that you don't want to be. And you are in tears and you are in regret and you are there and saying, God, why? God, why? Call upon the Holy Spirit today. And he's got the power to help you to break free from the habit of sin. To also break free from addiction. To break free from those things that keeps us spiritually bound. Today... God's Spirit is not just resting on specific people for specific purposes. It is on all of us, all people, regardless of their position, their age, their gender, ethnicity, or race. And so as I conclude this, this sermon this morning, this afternoon now, I invite you to open your heart. Open your heart and let the Holy Spirit be poured out on you today to enable you to do the work of God in this church, in your community, and in the world, those who've come from Australia, from New Zealand, from Edinburgh, wherever you've come from, in this church today, open your heart that the Holy Spirit will envelop you so that you can go back and say to them, I cut the Holy Spirit at Methodist Central Hall, Westminster, and I'm here to do the work of God because I've been equipped for that work by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been given to help us to roll up our sleeves to do the work of God. But I don't know what you are going through as an individual. And so perhaps when we strip down the whole story of Pentecost this afternoon, all you are longing for is not to go and tell somebody else about Jesus Christ, but all you are longing for is for the Holy Spirit to come upon you to enable you to fix a broken relationship that you've been dragging around, a broken relationship that's drugged your life to a place that you don't want to be. All you want, perhaps, is for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to enable you, not just to fix a broken relationship, but perhaps to deal with a difficult child, to heal a sick relative, to heal you, to heal your broken marriage. Perhaps all what you're longing for the Holy Spirit to do for you right now is for the Holy Spirit to help you to deal with that unforgiveness in your heart, to let go and let God take it all, to let go and let the wind of God breathe upon us and get to us. The disciples needed equipping for the work of God. Whatever you are trusting God for today, bring it to the altar. God, the Holy Spirit is here. He's a gentle spirit. He doesn't knock anybody off and anybody off their feet and around. He's a gentle spirit. He is our enabler, our helper, and he's been sent to equip us for the work of God. And we can all invite him into our hearts right now and into our situations today by saying, come. Come, Holy Spirit, fall afresh 
on me. Amen. And we're going to say,